Whether acknowledged or not, you find yourself engaged in a relentless spiritual war. Irrespective of your awareness, an unseen adversary seeks to destroy you, not only in this life, but also in the next. Regardless of your location on this planet, you reside in a fiercely contested battlefield, and escaping this conflict feels impossible. Welcome to Truth and Shadow, your guide through the supernatural. I am your host, BT, and this is a Shadow Short. Let's navigate the unknown on this brief journey into the depths of mystery. Good morning, listeners. Today I've got Brandon Spain and Lindsay Waters from Unrefined Podcast because this Shadow Short brought to you is a collaboration that I've done over on their podcast. And I wanted to bring a snippet of that over here onto my podcast so that y'all can listen to it and hear. And if you want to hear the rest of the episode, links in the show notes. Hey, Brandon, what's going on with you? Not much, bro. Glad to be here. And Lindsay, how are you doing? Doing well. Hello, Truth and Shadow listeners. And you've guys got a great vision over at unrefinedpodcast.com. Can you speak on that for a brief moment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our, our vision started with Lindsay and I. We would have really good conversations on the telephone. And and I said, you know, I would love to record this. There might be other people out there that would like to listen to it. So I said, Sandy, is there an app we can just record? She's like, nope, there's not an app. There's something you can do. And I'm like, what? She's like, you can podcast. So it started with that. And... The vision has just exploded, and our main vision is just to glorify Christ in dealing with supernatural, fringy topics, but also conspiratorial and and other things like that. We ultimately want to point back to Jesus, and uh, everything from there is just gravy. Along the same lines, I, I you know I want this podcast to be an equipping tool, whatever that means. Yeah, people other people starting podcasts, but man, it could be inspiring them to, to write a book about some of these subjects. But I, I guess at the end of the day, how, how does all this make us better disciples of Christ? Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's where I would, that, you know, where's the rubber meets the road of this? And Well said. I think we've done a good job of that. We, we've had people on to talk about, not necessarily fringe things, um, just missionary. Yeah, this time you guys have, how many episodes are you at now? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. We're in the mid-70s, I think. Okay, wonderful. Well, I appreciate you guys just having a little chit-chat with me before I start this episode for the rest of the audience. And we'll probably do, we have a lot more collaborations coming on in the future on unrefinedpodcast.com. The link's in the show notes. And you can find Brandon Spain and Lindsay Waters there. Yeah, and check out our, uh, we have a Facebook group called Unrefined Friends where we have, we're develop, developing community, which is really good. And BT, thank you for uh, coming on our show and being a collaborative with us. We appreciate your your knowledge, dropping the knowledge, brother. You've got it, guys. Thank you.
Welcome, you guys, to another episode of Unrefined Podcast, and I have Lindsay here with us. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, guys. And uh, we've also got a special co-host who's been in and out of our podcast and has his own podcast, Truth and Shadow Podcast. If you haven't checked it out, you need to. It's really awesome. I just listened to one of his shorts today, uh, Shadow Shorts he's doing, on uh, spiritual warfare, which is really interesting because that leads us into what we're going to talk about today. Hey, BT, how you doing? Hey, you guys. Drinking my coffee this morning. I'm ready to roll. Ready to roll. BT's been talking on his podcast a lot about spiritual warfare and sinister forces. It seems to encompass everything from fallen angels to the demonic, which are the unclean spirits of the Nephilim. That's a great terminology because it includes angels, but it doesn't limit it to like just the job description of angels. You know, that's one of the things that if I've learned anything over the past three or four years, I've learned that. Angels is not a descriptive name other than it's more of a vocational type name. So yeah, angel is what yeah. they do. Spirit is what they are. Yeah, exactly. So today we are going to tackle all kinds of interesting things, but just to put a, a name on it, we're going to talk mostly about the chaos and Leviathan here today and dip into some uh, cosmology and everything. What is Leviathan? Well, the thing is, is in the second temple period, Brandon, the the people who lived post-Babylonian exile believed that these forces, these entities were real, that they were part of their furniture of belief. They were as common or as perceivable as the sacred bread in the tabernacle would have been to them. And that means that Leviathan wasn't its own entity. It came with behemoth, which would be the beast of the ground, Leviathan being the beast of the ocean or the waters. And just like anybody who's ever had to fight back, Blackberry Brambles knows quite well the chaos of the land. And anybody who lives near the waters and deals with flooding knows quite well the chaos of the water. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm both and as far as, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's some sort of real beast or entity, but also... There's a, a just kind of a motif you see in various mythologies. The, the Germans had a term for it called chaos kampf. That means struggle against mm. chaos. You got your your cultural hero or deity and some monster that represents chaos. And yeah, I think it's both and. Beowulf versus Grendel. Mm-hmm. In my reading and studying about this, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think with all everything that's been said I, I think it's it was real and i'm still not sure that it's not even real that we just don't know about it. i mean you know you gotta realize i don't know how much of the earth's surface is water but it's a huge portion of it right three three quarters of it maybe mm-hmm. is it is there that too it's huge you can say that yeah and, and so we don't know you know we've never explored the uh the, they're not like out, outer space per se but we've never explored the depths of the oceans and we, we have no idea but uh, yeah, I, I tend to come down where I think it's both a spiritual reality and a spiritual entity, as well as as well as a psychological reality and entity too. Chaos is like a principle, but also maybe a real being as well, like a real actual creature. And we know, like like BT said, we know that they that the the Leviathan was in the furniture of of all different types of cultures all around yeah. the world that are not anywhere. There's no way they could have communicated that. So it's really fascinating. It's like the floods, so to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah, we saw it a little bit when we went over the Quetzalcoatl with the the hero twins you know, battling the Seven Macau and his sons. The Wonder Twins, yeah. yeah. The Wonder Twins. <laughs> Mayan Wonder Twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Quetzalcoatl himself is a plumed serpent, which mm-hmm. uh, I want to get into later on when we talk more about cosmology and, and the void and form, formless and void. But uh, yeah, it's interesting, I think, and I'll go ahead and throw this out there, that new paleontology research is, is tending to, to lean more that dinosaurs were not only reptilian, but more bird-like, which mm-hmm. I think is, is interesting. Mm-hmm combination of both of those uh animals absolutely yep well i mean it's a real common thing brandon people all over the place have these ideas these stories these horror stories of the waters and the oceans you know the megalodon movies or the shark attack movies make a lot of money either when they come out or residual yeah which is pretty you know so you have sailors talking about Kraken, you have Loch Ness monsters, you've got all sorts of ideas of a creature that lives in the waters that may be scary, may not be scary, like uh, Kelpie. Or what? what is the name of the one up there with the, in Antolia, uh, the Armenian area? The, oh, in, we're was talking it? about you know, yeah, Vishaps. the Vishaps out of Lake Van. Yeah, we were Yeah, Lake Van, that, yeah. But, yeah. So that plays into the whole, and that combines the aquatic type uh, aspect of Leviathan, in my opinion. Yeah, that'd be so. the Armenians. The Armenians have a real long, rich history of these Vishap monsters. If they get too big, they'll eat, they'll consume the whole planet. What is the symbolism of Leviathan? I mean, we know it's chaos, but let's go deeper than that. What can we dig out of that? Well, I think the word means something like coiled in the Hebrew. So there's this idea of something that's kind of twisted, like a, mm. I guess, similar to the way a serpent does. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a handful of different. In, I'll talk about this for a minute. In modern theistic or even atheistic Satanism, there's yeah. a symbol. It's called the Leviathan cross. It's basically an, the uh, infinity sign. So that'd be the number eight on its side, plus mm-hmm. a, a double crossbar cross and they call that the leviathan cross and it's an interesting concept for them to call it that because they're drawing upon the word leviathan which was carved at the base of the baphomet statue designed by alephis levy oh interesting right and uh, alephis levy was a you know late 1800s occultist and he believed that real christianity oddly enough because that's what he came out of was more of a chaotic struggle than something of order. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we we do see it. I mean, the primary meaning or symbol is chaos and disorder. And, you know, God's uh, mission, more so than just freeing us from sin, because, I mean, that's what sin is. is It's a disorder. You know, it's a dis-ease, so to speak. Mm. It's a disorder of how we've not ordered our lives. So sin equals chaos. Yeah, I think that's a... That's one of the, the primary symbols. And you can take that and go from there and go all different directions and stuff. So so biblically, let's let's explore biblically. There's a passage that I wanted to share, um, but I'll let you guys go first. But there's a passage that I wanted to to share that that really jumped out at me in my study and reading. 
I'll get to that. So what do you guys think biblically? What can we learn biblically about Leviathan? Well, Leviathan pops up in the book of Job mm-hmm. several times. I, I do believe that this is the the primary location. It's God's talking to Job later on. Yeah. I do believe it's later chapter, what, 40, 41, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. God's mm-hmm. like, can you draw Leviathan out of the ocean with a hook? Can you just take this and defeat it like you could drawing out a fish? Mm. Yeah, fish, fish mm-hmm. analogy. That's what I was saying. Yep. So historically, you know, this I think this is important. We should have tackled this a second ago, but we can tackle it now. So historically, what through the different nations, so to speak, what has historically mm-hmm. Leviathan looked like? Uh, I know we, we talked about Mesoamerica and Quisicado, the plume serpent, which we talked about before. What are some other, you know, per nationality? What is Leviathan always kind of looked like? It's always a water serpent. It's yeah. Always some kind of scaled serpentine entity. Yeah. From Jormungur of the Vikings to often Moros, multi-headed, seven-headed. All right, have, have you guys read comparison to a basculus? Because I was reading through in in, in in the Hebrew world that there there's a combination of of Leviathan even even being a form of a basculus. In other words, having the ability to be able to. Uh, through their eyes, be able to turn people to stone and, and all oh, that oh, kind of stuff. No, I, I, I wasn't aware of that connection. That's Yeah, so anybody who's probably familiar with the Harry Potter series would come up across the story where the hero Potter, in this case, is battling against the basilisk with a special sword given to him by a phoenix. What some may not know is the basilisk is also defined or described as a rooster. So you have a chicken. A bird. Mm. Bird that's a basilisk or something that's a serpent. Another plumed rep- reptile, sort of, huh? Right. I mean, yeah. if you talk like uh, like Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Elder is going to say a basilisk is a serpent that's small. It's it's no more than 12 inches in length, but it's, ser- you know, but it is poisonous mm-hmm. enough to paralyze a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, the Bible uses the word basilisk mm-hmm. a couple of times, and it probably means cobra. Instead of, you know. Yeah. The references I saw were more of like a seraphim type reference that Cobra with his, you know, his outstretched hood that can favor wings, so to speak. Well, absolutely. Well, and an interesting thing too. realize what Jesus did with with hell, death and the grave. I mean, he conquered chaos. That's why the resurrection is so essential and important to the gospel, not just the cross. A lot of evangelicals in our circles uh, we'll, we'll put all the emphasis on the cross. And I'm not taking away from the blood of Jesus or the cross of Christ. However, the resurrection is where Christ was victorious over the chaos. That's where he put his head, like in Genesis in the Proto-Evangelium, where he put his head on the serpent's head, finally, is through the, the resurrection. Healing, the healing. Yeah. 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 And and so I think we miss that because we have imbibed, and this is not Catholics' fault, you guys, but this is just Western Christianity's fault. We have imbibed a lot of uh, uh, Western ways of looking and Roman ways of looking and, Gre- and Greek too, not just Roman, but Greek ways of looking at things. Whereas we need to have kind of a uh, a conflation between an Eastern way of looking at things and a Western way of looking at things. And, and I liken it to just a, a bag of golf clubs. There's all these different ways we can look at 
what we're talking about. And in, in some ways you need a, uh, you need a, a one iron, you know, or then you need, might need a one wood, you might need a chipper, you might need a putter, you know? And so it's like yeah. the, the richness of the body of Christ is, is needed to be able to explain all these different, uh, these different uh, beliefs. Cause they're all, a lot of them are all true at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. The ones that aren't, you know, mutually exclusive, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just, that, that Hieronymus Bosch painting just really just st- sticks out at me and I'll have to look up what his famous painting was, but it's, uh, it's just eerie. It, it's just his style of painting and he's the kind of painter that you can see him and, and instantly once you've familiarized yourself with him, you familiarized yourself with what he, what he looks like, what his paintings look like. But yeah, so when we're talking about hell, this this leads us back to Leviathan and how Jesus overcame Leviathan through the resurrection and how he has commissioned us to overcome Leviathan. And I think that that's a great way to make what we're talking about ultimately practical. And so what I'd like to throw out to you guys, if we could talk about this, we're talking about Leviathan. Now, what is this relationship with chaos magic? And we need to start with some basic definitions before we get up there. What What is chaos magic and what does it consist of and how does it relate to Leviathan? <laughs> Sounds like you're <laughs> aiming at me there. That's fine. <laughs> uh, well, many, either one. Many of the listeners probably are aware that I have an occult background. That's kind of yes. where I ended up before I was, before I was saved. And... It's important to understand that chaos magic really, many people are going to argue where it came from or where its beginnings are, but it's popular. It's everywhere, everywhere. Like my son was telling me it's in Witcher and they actually took the real Crowley magic when they wrote, when a guy wrote Witcher and then when they made the video game and it's like actually occultically, what's the word correct when they did that. Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and your chaos chaos magic's going to be Michael Ford. He's a real big author in these things. And he's going to pull on a handful of different ideas relating to to the chaotic forces of nature. The, the main the main thing with the main thing with the newer age style occult belief systems are mm-hmm. if one thing doesn't work for you, try something else. And I find that quite amusing because it's basically yeah. charlatanism. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, this is, I'm going to wax personal here for a minute because when, when I was devoted to the dark forces that I believed were my gods, that the rituals that I had performed that once basically filled me with this sense of power, it's what I felt. Yeah. Began to, I mean, it was a twisted sense of power, but it, it began to leave me unsettled. Like I couldn't do enough in the ritual to reach the same level of high. Mm. And Mm. the main goal with that kind of magic chaotic as it was, was seeking forbidden knowledge. If I had knowledge that no one else knew, I would have power over them, etc. And instead of it being a blessing was this big burden but it was but Brandon it was it was during these moments of introspection when I started thinking about it and I had a yearning for something brighter purer and more redemptive 
the rituals that I used to define who I was yeah became hollow they they no longer felt the same grip on my heart hmm and basically this was that catalyst this is this transformative catalyst that I speak about where I began to pray to God again and in those quiet moments in those quiet moments when I had realized that this was hollow that the sinister forces were losing their grip on my heart that I found solace in the teachings of Christ Mm. so the stark contrast between darkness that I knew and the light offered by faith became irresistible yeah so while I've still got this on my mind can I jump in and and, and ask you this first of all man just thanks for making this just really personal man this you know this wasn't just fun and games to you when we're talking about chaos magic this was something you you dealt with yeah i once to myself in the shadows of this yeah mm-hmm. but okay so yeah you, you talk about the lure of chaos magic but when you said that it, it made me think what about being be, being aware of the kind of false order that the enemy can can offer in, in all, as an alternative to that. What well, if you can speak point, to that? Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what the point is, is uh, any of the any of the sinister forces who seek to manipulate and gain your worship, they're you know they're ultimately doing it because they get clout in hell. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole purpose. You know, they yep. they gain yep. more authority and power in hell. They you know they gain levels. If you if you want to talk about concurrent video game te- terminology, they gain gain levels and they gain skill sets. Because they're manipulative. Degrees like masonry, you know? Yep. Yeah. And the scriptures commonly says, you know, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that Yahweh God, his ways are so far above our ways. The same is true about the sinister forces. These entities have been around for so long, they know things before you would ever even think to know them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means they know how to manipulate. We're talking about entities that have been around so long and they understand the human brain. If you were to think of the human brain like a computer, it's not. But if you were to think of the human brain like a computer, these guys can hack that, make you see things that are not there, tell you things that aren't coming from your own mind, Mm -hmm. and make you feel things that don't have any place of origin. This is chaos. Mm -hmm. These are things that we cannot begin to comprehend and anybody who is a chaos magician anybody who practices magic sorcery or anything relating to the occult in its essence are tapping into things that are so beyond human comprehension that they look like gods Mm. that's why they were once worshipped by people because they looked like gods Mm. Thank you for listening. This is a free podcast based upon the value for value model. If you find value in this or any episode, you can return that value by liking the show, subscribing to this channel, leaving a review, 
or sharing with a friend on your social media accounts. You can also donate on my website. Thank you again. This is BT for Truth and Shadow Podcast. You are the light in the darkness. Because they lost